Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. This is their second time they put him up. They find that Dagon was fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon this time and both the palms of its hand were broken off on the threshold and only Dagon's torso was left. I think it's interesting that the head came off and the hands came off. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Our scripture today says, The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only the torso of Dagon was left of it. Imagine the horror of the Philistine priests when they entered the temple of Dagon the next morning. They not only saw their God bowing down before the Lord, they also saw the image broken. It was hard to account for such an accident two days in a row, and for the broken head and hands of Dagon. Now here's Pastor Rob. Oh, the world has all kinds of religions making it feel so good. And it feels good because it pumps your ego, because I have a say in this. I, if I do these things, I can be right with God. If I just do the right things. But the problem is, we can't do right things. Try as you might, you will always fail. That's why Jesus said, you don't have to do anything for me. I've done it all for you. I've taken the punishment of the sin that you and I deserve. He took it upon himself. He's done everything. All we have to do is believe on him. And even the faith that we believe, he has given to us. It's, it's, he's given it to us. So he's done it all. We're going to see in this chapter and the next chapter that God could have kept the ark from being taken And he certainly was able to keep the Philistines from destroying it, which he did. He kept them from destroying it. We're going to see also in 2 Samuel chapter 6, in a few months when we get there, that when David finally comes to retrieve the ark, 100 years after it was taken, David sets it upon a cart like the Philistines had done. And you remember what happened as they're driving along in this new cart, this fancy cart. I'm sure it had racing stripes down the side. Looked probably really good. Had those big keystone rims. You know what I'm talking about, right? Keystone rims. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Tony. (laughs) You know, I'm sure it looked really nice, and it was very 
Oh, wonderful. And yet God told them they weren't to carry the ark like that. Not the Jews. He let the Philistines get away with it because of their ignorance, because of their ignorance, but the Jews knew better. And remember, Ohio and Ahuzzah, Ohio and Ahuzzah, when the oxen stumbled and the ark was on the back, he reached out to protect the ark. I'm confident that even if the wheel fell off and the ark fell off, I'm sure that God would do something. I don't think he was too concerned about it. He could do anything. But again, so often we worry about God, and he's more concerned about us, our hearts, where we're at. But notice the position of Dagon now. He is rightly humbled before God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Philippians that all will bow before Jesus. All will bow. Every, every, everything, a man, women, it doesn't matter. Angels, fallen angels, they will all bow before him, and they will recognize him that he is God. And in Philippians 2, what does it say? Therefore God also highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Eventually, everyone, all roads do lead to God, just not the way we think. Ultimately, everyone will stand before God. But there's where the division occurs. To those who have given their heart to Christ, to everlasting life, and to everlasting contempt, those who have rejected his offer of salvation. The fact of the matter is, there is no one like our God. Isn't that true? Can I get an amen? There's no one like our God. And we know that for true. We don't even have to have a pep rally. We don't have to pump it up. It's the truth. And, and that, to me, that's what's so wonderful about the gospel is its truth. There's been nothing been able, no one has been able to come against the word of God. Men and women have tried to discredit this book. They've tried to discredit the Bible. All of them have passed away. But guess what? This abides forever. The word of God abides forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word will pass from the word of God until it is fulfilled. Isn't that awesome? I love that. It encourages me. And it's the truth. But there's no one like God. I love in Psalm 113, it says, The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like our God who dwells on high? Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He has to, he has to condescend to look upon the earth. And yet he delights to do so. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us so much. In Psalm 89, verse 6, it says, For who in the heavens can, can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? Great, God is great, greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. You still them. You have broken Rahab, which is a, a reference to Egypt. You have broken Rahab in pieces as one who was slain. You have scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours, the earth also yours, the world and all of its fullness. You have founded them. There's a song we sing right from the Psalms. He's almighty God. There's none like him. Neither could there be anybody like him. You know, that is so good news. I don't know about you, but 
Sometimes I have to divorce myself from the things that I know on the earth and get my head in the clouds. You know, we've often been told that, you know, Christians are no heavenly good or no earthly good because they got their head in the clouds. I wish it were more true of us that we would have more of our head in the clouds. There are certain times in history where the church did have their head in the clouds. And everyone looks around at them and they're like, man, these people are of no earthly good. Hey, that's okay. That's all right. May the Lord once again give us eyes and a faith that sees way beyond the things we're seeing here. And that's especially important for us right now because it's got us all tied in a knot. And I won't, be, I won't lie to you. The last couple of days have been really tough. It's been tough for a lot of people. We need that more than ever to see Jesus Christ. We need to see him more than I need to see anything else. In fact, I found the greatest moments of peace when I wasn't looking at my phone or when I wasn't looking at the news. The greatest sense of peace I got was being in my office and just shutting it all off and just saying, Lord, you are in control and I trust you. I don't get it. And it's not over yet. But regardless of what happens, you're still on the throne. No matter what. No matter what. Never forget that. Don't let anything take your peace. Don't let them take your peace. No one can take, should take your peace. Hold it close to you. Hold Christ close to you. If you hold him close to you, your peace is not going to go away. Right? Peace, my peace I give unto you, not the peace of the world, but my peace, Jesus said, I give to you. Right? And that's what we really need to hang on to. Let, it be the, let him be the one that puts you to bed at night. You know, when, right when you're about ready to doze off, the last half hour of your, when you're in bed, get out your Bible and just lay it next to you and just lean over and read it for a half hour. Read the Psalms and let the Lord bless you. You need it. You need it. We live in 2020. I can't wait for the ball to drop. For 2021 to come, hopefully it'll be a different thing. 2020, I want to see you. Good riddance. (laughs) Can can I get a witness? (laughs) Yeah, I think we all feel the same way. But notice in verse 3 there, they took and they set it in its place again, this idol that they've created. And what an unfortunate heart of a sinful man. You know, he will take the things that have failed and continue to prop it up, hoping that one day it'll work. And the thing is, you can continue to put your hope in a false system. You can continue putting your hope in a false God. But in the end, it's still going to fail. But Jesus will never fail. Jesus will never fail. I love what it says in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 5. It says, The Lord is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. And here it is. He never fails. He never fails. In John chapter 1, verses 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word we know is Jesus. Jesus is God. And what does it say? If if, if Jesus is God, then Jesus is love. And what does it tell us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16? It tells us that God is love. So Jesus is love. And, And since he is love, what is it? Love never fails. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But these three abide, as it says at the end of that chapter. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. It's agape love. 
And that's the love that God has. He never fails. So verse 4, it says, And when they arose the next morning, this is their second time they put him up. They find that Dagon was fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon this time, and both the palms of its hand were broken off on the threshold, and only Dagon's torso was left. I think it's interesting that the head came off and the hands came off because it's indicative of what the idol cannot do anyway. It can't speak. If you fashion something with your hands, it's not going to speak to you. If the hands are broken, it can't do anything for you. And I think this is kind of like interesting. I think the very first time it fell, there was probably a hairline crack deep in the, in the, in the stone or whatever this thing is made out of. And then the next time it fell, it was the undoing of it. The head comes off, the hands come off. And I think if I was a Philistine, I'd look at that and go, you know what, we need to change God's guys. This God's not doing anything for us. He's impotent. He has no power whatsoever. But the Bible says that God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent, which means omni is all. He's om- all-potent, all-powerful. He is the only one who is omnipotent. In fact, God has three attributes that nobody in the universe has. Omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. Those are three things that are, belong to him alone. No one has those attributes. But he never fails. So now this Dagon, his head and his hands are come off. In Psalm 115, verse 3, it says this, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. And remember that as our election goes along. He does what he pleases. He's got a plan, and we just have to wait for it. Be prayerful. Pray like you've never prayed before, but he is going to have his will done. Their idols, notice, he says, are silver and gold, the work of men's hands, just like Dagon was a work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. It's funny how the head came off. It's just indicative of the idol. It can't speak to you. Why are you worshiping it, man? Why are you worshiping an idol that can't speak to you, that can't work for you? You think of the works of God. They're amazing in the things that he's done for humankind. That even before the foundation of the world, the Bible says that Jesus was slain, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The plan had already been put in place when man did sin. It didn't surprise God when Eve was deceived. (laughs) It didn't surprise him at all. And it didn't surprise him to see that Adam sinned and did the same thing. He wasn't wringing his hands and going, oh, I can't believe it. You know, six days, I do all this and then this. You know, I create all this stuff, for you, and this is, this is the response I get. This is the devotion and the love I get after all that I've done for you. He was like, no. He understood what was happening. He knew what was coming. He'd already made provision. It was already in the heart of God. In fact, when he slew that animal and covered them in their nakedness, there was a picture there and a type of God covering their sin that would come a couple thousand years down the road when the Lamb of God would take his, allow his life to be taken and his blood would be shed. But notice, they have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they don't walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. We become like that thing that we serve. Did you know that? We become like the thing that we worship. If you worship money, your whole life is about money. If you worship uh, sex, then you're going to have, that's all that's going to be on your mind. 
Your whole mind, that's all you think about. You can't look at anything without perverting it somehow. You can't even look at another person without thinking perversity. That's a problem when you can't look at the opposite sex, or in our day, look at the same sex. That's a real problem when you can't look at somebody and just see them as beautiful, and, and, and that's where it ends. But that's not the way it is today. So purify. Allow the Lord to purify your heart and your mind. Feast on the good things. Feast on Christ. I love what it says in Isaiah 44, beginning in verse 6. Says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel. I love this passage. And his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. He says, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no other God. And who can proclaim as I do? They, they let him declare it and set it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Notice that God knows all these things. Let them show these things to them, and do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Indeed, I know there is no other rock. I know not of one, and if God doesn't know of one, I don't think we need to be looking. He says, idolatry, um, or I'm sorry, verse 9 of that chapter, those who make an image, and here it is, all of them are useless, and their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a god and mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all of his companions would be ashamed. And the workmen, they are, there are men there. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet, yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. The blacksmith with the tongs works with, with the coals, fashions it with hammers, works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule. He marks out with the chalk and he fashions it with a plane. He makes it out with the compass and makes it like the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in his house. He cuts down cedars for himself and takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself around among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine, and the rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for man to burn, and then he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it, he bakes bread, indeed he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With, his, with this half he eats meat, he roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my God. It's exactly what the Philip, they had, they were just one of many gods. Dagon was just one. They were a polytheistic culture. Poly meaning many. They worship many gods. Sort of like America. We worship many gods. They, They may not be on a statue, but they may be in a high rise somewhere. It may be parked out front. It may have a basement on the lake. Maybe a person, maybe a spouse, maybe your 401k. You would logically think that if your God is not more powerful than another God, that you would switch gods. <laughs> but with the Philistines, this wasn't the case. They were devoted out of ignorance, and they would continue to follow their impotent God to the bitter end. How unfortunate. And yet God still loves, doesn't he? He still loves. Do you think that he was 
that he didn't love those people? Do you think God was prejudiced? Do you think God was racist? There's a term in our culture today. No, there was no race with God. He's not a racist. Neither are we. Racism should never exist in the Christian church. We should see everybody in the likeness of God. We're all made in his image. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter where you came from. None of that should exist here. Hopefully it never will. We have to overcome that. And that's a good thing to ask. Say, Lord, if there's any of this in me, remove it. But God is not a racist. He deals with sin. He cares about sin. No matter who it is, no matter who it is, God is not a respecter of persons, which means he doesn't, he's not partial to anyone. A man's own sin he will pay for. And if you pay for it, you're going to be in trouble. But if Jesus pays for it, you're in good shape. But in order to make him or to have him pay for it, you have to bend your knee and bow your heart to him. And I'm so glad I did that at the age of 24 because these last, you know, um, 26, 27 years have been the best of my life. Because I know where I'm going. And it's not because of any good thing that I've done. It's all because of him. That makes all the difference in the world. But God loves. And he's, as it says in Second Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count in slackness, but is long-suffering. He's patient toward us. What? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. That word in the Greek is really wonderful. The word all, you know what it means? All. <laughs> it means all. It doesn't mean, oh, only the Republicans, only the Democrats, only the independents, only the people who are in the Green Deal. No, he paid for all, (laughs) right? In Ezekiel chapter 33 of 11, God says, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in bringing judgment. The Bible says that it's a strange work. But he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? And he's speaking to his own people for their idolatry. Notice in verse 5, back in our text this evening, he said, Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon, notice Dagon had priests, just like Israel had their own priests. They had these men who would serve their false idol, this God. So the priests of Dagon... Um, therefore, I'm sorry, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Because in Ashdod, that was the temple of Dagon. That was the major temple. And when that idol fell over before the ark and his parts of him was falling off over the threshold, because they're a superstitious people, they wouldn't cross that threshold. You know, they wouldn't walk over it. They'd have to leap over it or something. But they held, still held their God in high esteem. Isn't that amazing? Again, I, I just I can't escape that. At some point, you've got to say, you know what? This is just not working. <laughs> you know, if our God was really powerful, he could call down lightning. He could do something, right? But this God is falling down before that God, so I think I'm going to switch gods. I think that's a really good idea. But when you switch to go to Jehovah, it's one-stop shopping. When you switch to Jesus, there's no, the, the search is over. People search all over the place. They're trying to find peace. They're trying to find contentment. They're trying to find, you know, and they'll never find it in anything except for Jesus Christ. I know I looked. I looked all over trying to find, you know, 
What's that song? I searched the world over and thought I found true love, right? And nothing. Some of you remember that song from, was it the Beverly Hillbillies? No. Hee Haw. It was Hee Haw, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I decided not to. But thanks for filling in the blank. <laughs> now I don't have to edit the tape. Tape. Look at that. I don't have to edit the file. So anyway, God, he does not delight in the death of the wicked. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.